the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Happy Friday to you. Thanks for coming along today for this edition of The Ride Home. Kath, good to see you as always. How are you? Well, I'm just gearing up, John, because it's only 48 hours for the Academy Awards. <laughs> no, wait a I'm second. I'm trying to figure out whether I'm even going to watch You don't this. even watch this. No, I, listen, I watch it every year because I'm attached to you yeah. because you and you know you love the film and you and your wife and your family do the whole ballot thing. Yeah, you do a party. And I feel like I'm going to be left out if I don't do it. But you have you it's seen any films at all for the Oscars this year? I any saw films. Black Panther. Okay. All right. Well, that was a good film. That was it. That's it's the up only, for Best Picture. Yeah. I think it's the only film, certainly the only film that's up for Best Picture I've, I have seen. Okay. So you missed The Star is Born. I have zero interest in really? I didn't like the first version. I didn't like the second version. Really? And I'm pretty certain I'm not going to like the third. I saw Star is Born. I like it. Great. I, I, think, I think you might like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Klansman, as I you mentioned. I would like to see that. Yes. Uh, Black, what? Black Klansman? Yeah, I would like to see that, yeah. but I haven't seen it. That's the, okay, so the best picture categories for this year's Oscars. Yeah. Star is Born, yeah. Black Klansman, mm-hmm. which I saw and I loved, Black Panther. Which I saw and I loved. Bohemian Rhapsody. Which I did not see. Which I saw and I loved. Uh, the Favorite. Mm, didn't see it. Though I uh, love Olivia Coleman. Uh, I, I, I've i seen the previews for The Favorite so many times. I I have no desire to me, see it. I feel the same way. <laughs> uh, Green Book. I would love to see that. I saw it and I loved it. Roma. Would love to see that. Saw it and I loved it. Vice. There's no reason I'm seeing that. No interest at all. Why would I? What no. what, what, what could I possibly gain from yeah. watching that movie that I don't already know? Uh-huh. I had no interest in seeing mm-hmm. that. Okay, yeah. So my I didn't choice. even have to know. I didn't have to see any visuals to know what that movie was. You, have you seen the previews? No. Oh, yeah. Because I know what it is. Yeah, of course. Of course and that's exactly what it is. I'm sure it is. All right. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, um, my Oscar winner for Best Picture yeah. would be Roma. All right. Which I loved. And my one would be Black Panther because it's the only one I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that okay. That makes it easy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we printed out our Oscar uh, ballots. I haven't chosen them yet. No. I- I've chosen them just for my own sort of chuckles here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know that the Oscar, the statue itself... And people, whenever they pick that up, they always make a comment about it. Yeah. It weighs eight and a half pounds. Wow. That's substantial. Yeah, it is. That's substantial. Uh, The statue itself, named uh, by the Academy, the first uh, Academy librarian who thought the statue looked like her uncle Oscar. Did you know there's only one Oscar who's won an Oscar? No. No. Oscar Hammerstein the second would make sense. He won an Oscar for the song "The Last Time I Saw Paris" in the movie "Lady Be Good." Really, you Mm -hmm. think Oscar? There's not a lot of people named. Do you know anyone named Oscar? No, neither do I. But I think it's a great cat name. 
Oscar the cat. Yes. That could be a great cat name. Uh-huh. Uh, do you know there's only one brother and sister team to ever win Academy Awards for acting? Uh, that would be um, uh, Shirley MacLaine and um, her brother, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, oh, Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty. Uh, actually, that's not the case. Heck. It's Ethel and Lionel Barrymore. Oh, the Barrymores, of yeah. course. Yeah. Lionel won for A Free Soul in 31, and Ethel won for None But the Lonely Heart in 44. Huh. Speaking of the Barrymores, I think today is yes, Drew, Drew Barrymore. Is that their granddaughter? Uh, probably great-granddaughter. No, uh, but probably granddaughter. Is it? Okay. Yeah, probably granddaughter. She's 44 today, I think. Right, which she's been around forever, forever. Yeah, since she was a little kid. What was the first movie she did? It was a horror film, wasn't it? She was in The Exorcist? No, she was no, in the Exorcist. No, she was in the Exorcist. That was Linda no. Blair. Yeah. No, but Drew Barrymore, uh, yeah, she was a child actor. Oh, and, she was in one of the, like, Close Encounters or... Um, uh, yeah, something right? like that. Right? It was that. one of right, those right, space right. movies from yeah. the 80s. You're right. Yeah. I'm okay. sorry, but I don't know. What's the first color movie to ever win Best Picture, do you think? <clears throat> Extraterrestrial. Uh, oh, oh e. she was in E.T. Okay. Yeah, yeah. E.T. First color movie to ever win an Oscar. Gone with the wind. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, a number of people nominated for Academy Awards after their death, but mm. there's only one actor that's been nominated twice. What? After he died? Twice. Oh, boy. What the heck? Vincent Price. James Dean. James Dean? Uh, East of Eden in 55 huh. and a Giant in 56. Really? Mm-hmm. How weird is that? No, he didn't win either time. Mm. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, how about this is going to be the first Oscar that's going to be hostless? Maybe, right? Uh, there's rumors that someone will make a surprise appearance. It's uh, thought that maybe Whoopi Goldberg would step Goldberg would step forward as a. Because she's minute. never tweeted anything she wishes she could take. Well, away. that was the standard, right? The list of hosts for the Academy Awards is dotted with prestigious names, such as. Are you ready? Hmm. Will Rogers. Oh, really? How about that, Frank Capra. He was a host. Jack Benny. I could see that. Fred Astaire. Really. Jack Lemmon. Huh. David Letterman. Yeah, that didn't go well. One man dominated Academy Award history, hosting yes. 18 times. That would be Bob Hope. Correct. And coming in second at only eight, to- only eight times. Billy Crystal. Correct. Johnny Carson comes in third, mm-hmm. hosting five. Yeah. I mean. And none of those people could ever be a host today because they were always offending somebody. Right. Yeah. That's what made that's part of what made them funny. Of course, right? But we can't the do room that is ripe for someone sticking your finger we in your eye. We cannot do that anymore. No, no. Uh what we're going to see, this is the nadar of uh, all the award shows is you're going to see political correctness and of course political calling out as well. Well, that sounds like a gripping show. It's horrible. It sounds like a gripping. Okay, now listen to this. This little piece of uh trivia I thought was funny. Um Beatrice Strait holds the record John, for winning an Oscar with the shortest amount of screen time. What's her name? Her name is Beatrice Strait. Hmm. Okay. Her brief performance as Louise Schumacher, the jilted wife of William Holden's character in Network, earned her Best Supporting Actress of 1976. What? 1976. The question is, how long do you think Beatrice Strait was actually on Holy camera? Ho- I mean, that's, that's a terrific film. Howard Beale. I, I never saw never, it. No, I well, never saw it. Faye Dunaway was in it? Yeah, yeah. It's an excellent film. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was on... 
screen for what, three minutes? Five minutes, 40 seconds. That's the shortest amount of time that any person has been on screen and won an acting Oscar. Heck, heck, I've been on screen longer than five minutes. And And the same year that she was nominated for an Academy Award, uh, also nominated was uh, Piper Laurie for Carrie. Hmm. (laughs) Lee Grant for Voyage of the Damned. Uh, Jane Alexander for All the President's Men. Hmm. Jodie Foster for Taxi Driver. Wow. And Talia Shire for Rocky. Oh, really? So that, that was an odd mix. Isn't you, that you a would, strange connection? Faye Dunaway? Was Faye Dunaway? She wasn't nominated. She wasn't no. nominated. But you think no. she would be nominated? Lee Grant, uh, Piper Laurie, Jane Alexander, Jodie Foster. That's Talia very Shire. weird. That's really weird. Yeah. Okay. I would give it to Talia Shire. Because she was Adrian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really remember that. You don't remember that? I, what? I hate boxing. What? I you don't like Rocky? Dislike, Rocky the dislike film? Dislike boxing. Really? I watched. I mean, I saw Rocky. I thought it was okay. And the first time when it was out in theaters, and what was it? Seventy six. And then I never saw it again because no I don't like boxing. Oh, it's it's a regular on cable television. If ever I see Rocky, one, two, three, four, five, six, or more, I'm going to sit down and watch it. Oh, that's bit. good. Oh yeah. All right. I like it very much. Okay. Um, Oscar party snacks. <sighs> what do you have? See if I cared more. Yeah. About the show, I would care more about the snacks. Mm-hmm. But as it is, I might have a rice cake. <laughs> That's sad. Are you going to watch the red carpet? Never. Oh, I like the red carpet. Oh, how could you? I like the red carpet. Come on. Hey, look at all the fashion what that goes up and down. What is there to like about the – it is inane. That's exactly why you watch it, because it's inane. I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's people who are all plumpy and think, you know, that they're super special and beautiful, and they walk by, and people are applauding and cheering. And they're saying it's like a circus. Ridiculous things. Of course they things. are. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. If you're sn- all right. I have to apologize for my, you know, in front of my kids, because I go, you know, I sit there and, you know, mock, which, of course, is an exercise in, you know, just despair on my part. And then I go, sorry, guys, I'm just, you know, being a goofball here. Mm-hmm. I just have to it's do not that. Good. It's not a good parenting moment for me, but I still tune in every year. In a strange turn of events, John, Charlie Chaplin's movie Limelight, yeah, which was produced in 1952, won an Academy Award in 1972. <laughs> 20 years after it was released. What happened there? Because listen to this. This is the time space continuum. Random. According to the Academy's rules at yeah. the time, a movie couldn't be considered for an Academy Award until it played in Los Angeles. That's right, this, which is happening this year with Roma. So the best picture, Roma, was produced by Netflix. They rented a couple of theaters out. It played in Pittsburgh at the Manor Theater for a week only, but it played. the rules are it must play in Los Angeles for one week. It, it played, I think, in less than 30 theaters nationwide. Roma did. But then... A week later, after it played in the theaters, you could watch it for free if you had Netflix, and now it's up for Best Picture. So Roma learned the lesson that Charlie Chaplin's movie Limelight taught it, Yeah, which is that you better go to L.A. or you're not going to win for 20 years. Exactly. Now, if Roma wins Best Picture, it's it's groundbreaking. Really, it is. It sort of signals the end of the Hollywood stranglehold. All right, so let me me ask you this. How does Netflix make money on that? That's what I can't figure out. How, I mean, net. If if you're doing a major motion picture release, yeah, the money that you're bringing in are people are money is money that people are paying at the box office to go to see your film. Yeah, when you're making a major film release as Netflix, where are you getting your income to pay for that film? I mean, you're already getting all of us who are putting our monthly thirteen bucks in or yeah. whatever it is. That's it. But I. 
it's hard for me to believe that that's bringing in for Netflix enough cash. I think so to do to do these productions. Netflix has revolutionized Hollywood. They've green light. You know, so many films are produced now through Netflix that uh, the the big budgets. You know, I mean, if Hollywood's producing something like Black Panther or whatever, they're going to spend easily a hundred million dollars plus on a film like that. Where Netflix is just sort of spreading seed money all over the place. So Roma, I don't know what the budget was, but believe me, it was a fraction, a tiny fraction. The thing about Netflix, which is so appealing for their creatives, for the actors, for the directors, for the screenwriters, is that it's so fertile and there are so many people who are producing. Netflix is basically saying... Okay, uh, we're going to keep our hands off. We, we've given right. you the money. We'll green light you. You allow, allow you to do your thing. And so that there's money to be made. Right. I just don't understand how they're making money. I don't. I don't understand how they're making enough money. Like if you just look at the shows they're producing yeah, a lot. The, on a weekly basis, those are gigantic money they shows. Sure yeah. I mean, Victoria um, is a gorgeous no, Victoria is on Prime. Am- no. Amazon Prime. Amaz- no, Crown is on Prime. Isn't it? Or is the no. Crown on Netflix? Yeah, Crown's Okay, on so it. the Crown. Both of them yeah. are gigantic money they productions. Are. And they they look beautiful. So how are they how do they afford that? Well how many They're not, people, there's no advertising. But how many people have Netflix in this country? Well, I don't know, but if you're paying seventeen dollars one time a month, that's a heck of a lot less than you'd be paying if you went to oh, see two films. Without a doubt. So I still don't get it. There's, to me it doesn't it's viable. I mean I'm, hap- money. I'm happy for them, but I don't get, I don't understand how it's working. Yeah. Okay. Well, are you going to watch? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, Count me in. I'm going to sit down and watch the red carpet. My, Those crazy little, Mike, you know. Mike, will you watch? What is it? Oh, see, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> what, is, what is it? What are you guys talking about? <laughs> That's uh, a good answer, Mike. That was a good answer. It is. All right. All we'll right. take a break. Come back. Hey, listen, one of our favorite guests is up in just a few minutes, Andy Masick. He's the CEO, the president of the Senator John Hines History Center in the Strip District. He'll be with us next. Tell us a ta- fascinating story. The extraordinary Pittsburgher you haven't heard of. Yo, Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends with the best new music. New New music from Big Daddy Weave Alive. Resurrected by Elevation Worship. And Greatness of Our God, new from the Newsboys. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend. Hi, folks. This is Pastor Dan O'Neill. Did you know that when Jesus cursed the fig tree, he was showing us how to stop an enemy of the church? The tree that Jesus curses in Mark 11 was a tree capable of receiving pollen and bearing fruit that symbolizes repentance, but it would not. But even worse, there are other fig trees called strangler figs. Seeds from such trees may be deposited on a good fig tree, sending shoots that strangle it and choke it out, much like how a python strangles prey. Jesus wanted us to know that bad fig trees and strangler fig trees can hinder his true church. 
In Acts 16, we have a case of a woman with a python spirit being dealt with so she would not harm the church at Philippi. Such true churches produce the good fruit of repentance. At Eagles Wings Church, we endeavor to enter into the true fruit of repentance every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. at 2409 Shady Avenue in the auditorium of Taylor Alderdice High School in Squirrel Hill. Come worship and learn all that Jesus has done for us. Do you remember what was kept in a spring house? If you're an old timer, you know that a spring house was used for storing fresh cold milk. In 84 Pennsylvania, we have another kind of spring house. Our spring house is an old-fashioned country store filled with all kinds of old-time gifts, great country foods, and you guessed it, fresh cold milk. You see, the spring house in 84 is also a dairy farm where we milk our own cows, pasteurize and homogenize the milk, and sell it all through the store. We've had people tell us it has to be some special kind of gourmet milk. We don't add anything to the cow's diet or to the milk. It's just nature's purest, most perfect food, and we love the way our customers love it. We also make a chocolate milk you would think is a chocolate shake, an old-fashioned buttermilk that people drive miles to get, and a 40% heavy cream that's wonderful for luscious desserts. Our 2% and our skim are the greatest sellers. Come and try some Springhouse milk at the Springhouse in 84. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit. From pre-K through 12th grade. Through 47 state-certified full-time teachers. And opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community. With results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses. And see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer. At EdenChristianAcademy.org. The month of February is Black History Month, and with that, our, one of our favorite guests who joins us on a monthly basis, Andy Masick. Andy's the president and the CEO of the Senator John Hines History Center in association with the Smithsonian Institution. Here to talk to us about someone that I knew nothing about before Andy brought this up as a possible subject. Andy, welcome back. It's good to be here, and uh, Black History Month is an opportunity for us to remind ourselves of the rich history we have in our community, African-American history. We should be doing it every day, mm-hmm. uh, we, yes. and at the History Center we, we do. But it is a, a good time for us to take stock and start talking about some of the people who you may not have heard of who made a real difference. Mm-hmm. All right, so Martin Delaney, you say, one of the most extraordinary Pittsburghers that we haven't heard of. Yeah, you know, Martin Delaney was, uh, well, he was 19 years old when he came to Pittsburgh. His his mother was freeborn, his father was enslaved, and uh, he came to Chambersburg and then to uh, to Pittsburgh just in time for the great cholera epidemic of 1832-33. Thousands of people died. The, the doctors in town all fled because this contagious disease was killing people left and right. Martin Delaney learned how to treat people and uh, became a physician's assistant, and he he may have saved thousands of lives in that first cholera epidemic. Really? And what year is this? And this is 1832-33. Wow. By the time 1850 rolls around, he's in the inaugural class of African Americans in Harvard Medical School. He gets 17 physicians in Pittsburgh who all think that he's great. Uh, to endorse his enrollment at Harvard. And he, he matriculates at Harvard, but because of the endemic 
racism, at, not only at Harvard but in the United States at that time, uh, the white students, some of them anyway, protest against um, being in school next to a black, black man. man. And so he is. So campus protest is pretty old. It is, and uh, for the wrong reason this time. And he was forced out. He was furious uh, at this. Uh, I mean, he really wanted to be a doctor. And uh, he had started his own family in Pittsburgh, had uh, 11 children, and uh, had, to, had to find other ways to support them. He started a, an abolitionist newspaper called The Mystery. Mm. And then he went into business with Frederick Douglass, the greatest mm. black sure. abolitionist in the world, uh, the, the best-known African-American man in America. And they went into business in Rochester, New York, uh, publishing the North Star, a uh, an abolitionist paper, but but Delaney felt like, boy, African Americans are never going to get a fair shake in the United States, and so he looked at colonization, about uh, freed African Americans going to Africa, setting up a colony, wow. setting up their own country in Liberia, Liberia, Liberty, you know that mm -hmm. they set up that that country. Uh, for uh, former slaves from the United States. And that's where he was at the, about the time the Civil War breaks out. He was in Liberia? Yeah, he was scouting um, locations. locations there. But he comes back when the war began, begins because he says, all right, this is our fight. This mm -hmm. is African-Americans' fight. He meets uh, Abraham Lincoln. He passionately pleads for for African Americans to be allowed into the United States Army. You know, they were they were prohibited from serving next to whites. But by 1863, after a couple of years of war, white America is saying, "Hey, we need you know, some help. We need some help here." And 180,000 African American soldiers donned the Union blue and Martin Delaney becomes the highest ranking African American soldier in the history of the Civil no. War. Wow. How old? He could He's, have been a young man. He, he was uh, in his 40s by that time. Wow. Uh, but he became a major, a commissioned major. And many people don't even realize that there were any African American officers in the army. And he during, was a major. He was a major, really? and he recruited tens of thousands of uh, as, uh, former slaves and and uh, freeborn uh, blacks as well. Wow! So uh, a would-be doctor, a newspaper publisher, an abolitionist, a father of eleven, an explorer, <laughs> perhaps a founder of a country in some way. That's a heck of a lot going on. You know, uh, many historians today consider Martin Delaney to be the father of black nationalism. The whole idea of, of black nationalism begins with Martin Delaney right here in Pittsburgh. When he lived in Pittsburgh, do you know what neighborhood he lived in? You know, uh, he lived in a couple of neighborhoods. They, they would have all been downtown, what is now downtown, and then uh, uh, on the north side in Allegheny City uh, for a time. Wow. Many of his, uh, or I shouldn't say many, but uh, four of his 11 children died uh, very young. And uh, high high death rate for children was sure. not uncommon in Pittsburgh because of our tainted water at the time. That's what led to cholera and typhus, typhoid fever and things like that. He continued to uh, to work as a physician even though he couldn't 
go to Harvard Medical School. Which was fairly common, right? That's right. And uh, people just knew that he could save lives. And uh, when it came time to epidemics, uh, he's the one who stuck. He stayed when others uh, Mm. fled. He was quite a guy. And he lived for how long? And did he die in Pittsburgh? He didn't die in Pittsburgh. He lived to the age of 77. He uh, ended up in Wilberforce, Ohio. And uh, he always considered Pittsburgh to be his uh, home. He was um, he was somewhat bitter at the end of his uh, life. Can you blame him? Uh, no, you can't. Uh, he went into politics for a time. Uh, he supported uh, – he became a Democrat, which was very unusual at mm-hmm. that time. Uh, most uh, blacks and right. abolitionists would have been Republican. And yet he went south. He went to South Carolina and tried to help all those newly freed slaves, the people who had been slaves, and uh, worked with the Freedmen's Bureau, tried to get them land uh, that they could own, you know, 40 acres and a mule, and uh, tried to help them with loans. Uh, But he just kept running into uh, a, a stone wall of resistance as during the Reconstruction era of the 1870s. Hmm. Martin Delaney. So what's fascinating is uh, when, when you go back and you look at, uh, you know, the early black history pioneers, you know, these men and women with little or no education at all, yeah. and somehow they had the grit and the determination, the wherewithal to make wor- life work for them regardless. You know, that is so true. And it was his mother, Patty, who... Uh, in Charlestown, Virginia, what's now Charlestown, West Virginia, um, she knew that those kids needed to learn to read and write. And she bought them a primer, uh, a, a reading and writing mm-hmm. uh, fundamentals book. And he uh, gravitated to that and books, and he read voraciously. He was self-educated. And that's the amazing thing. He becomes an editor of a newspaper, and he's articulate and uh, and learned. Learned, and he becomes a school teacher at the end of his uh, life. But uh, he is self-educated. Other people have the advantages of formal schooling and college and Harvard. This guy did it on his own. Wow. So, Andy, when you, you know you go around town, and we're we're big on statues now, uh, plaques, you know, sort of dot the landscape. Is there mention of Martin Delaney publicly in any space that he, you know, he owns a corner of something? That's a really good question. Uh, there are no statues to Martin Delaney in Pittsburgh, but there are two. At the History Center, uh, you know, we do these lifelike figures. I mean, they look so real, you just wait for them to blink. And uh, we have about uh, 50 of them at the History Center. There's only one person that we have two of, and that's Martin Delaney, mm-hmm. because we have him in the section on abolition, and we also have him in an exhibit on innovation, because he was a an innovator of the first rank. I see. And so as an innovator, he's wearing his major's uniform and he's he's breaking ground uh, for a whole generation, a whole race hmm. uh, here in Pittsburgh. So I see. he is a deserving individual. Fabulous. Andy Masick is with us. Andy's the president, the CEO of the Senator John Hines History Center in association with the Smithsonian Institution. Before we break, Andy, yeah. I want to ask you about Harvard. So when did they come around? 
Well, uh, it wasn't until uh, 30 years later really? uh, or 30 so. 30 years? Yeah. No, it was uh, very slow going. And, of course, the big donors, uh, their sons uh, were there at uh, Harvard and uh, and the school officials caved at that time to the pressure brought to them. But uh, after the Civil War, uh, there were Harvard Medical School graduates. Fabulous. So th- there is an abolitionist uh, portion of the Heinz History Center? Yeah, there's a whole exhibit called From Slavery to Freedom. And this is curated by Sam Black, our uh, our curator of African-American history. And you actually go through a, a slave ship. Uh, you see shackled people in a in a, a recreated slave ship, but then you go on a journey with them uh, as they escape uh, and head north. Uh, mm. So it's the Underground Railroad, wow. and you can find all the houses and the safe places in the Pittsburgh region that people, uh, uh, African-American people, uh, relied on uh, in their journey north, following the North Star. That's what they would say, the drinking gourd, uh, the... the uh, uh, Little Dipper points to the freedom, uh, to freedom and north and the North Star. Oh, that's fascinating. We'll take a quick break. Andy Macy's going to stay with us. Hey, uh, in Pittsburgh, we know this more than a lot of people, that what goes up must come down. We're going to talk about the Mon Incline next. Hi, Pittsburgh. This is Tunch Ilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. With the Pittsburgh Auto Show going on this month, there's extra bonus cash savings all month long. Save over $11,700 on a 2018 Silverado All-Star Edition when you qualify with current GM lease and finance with GM Financial. The team at Calusi Chevrolet has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years, so you can buy with confidence knowing that they are going to treat you right. For more details, go to Calusi.com. Chevrolet, Find new roads. For King and Country, burn the ship's World Tour 2019. March 29th in Indiana at Kovalchik Center. Spend an evening up close and personal with Joel and Luke for King and Country. Tickets are on sale now. Also featuring Josh Baldwin. A night featuring the songs that have encouraged you and brand new songs from their album, Burn the Ships. March 29th at Kovalchik Center. More details and tickets are available now at forkingandcountry.com. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Every Tuesday night on Access TV, it's True Story Tuesdays. This is a big risk. It's totally unknown. Back-to-back shows starting with The Big Interview with Dan Rather at 8, 7 Central. I asked the question. Followed by Docs That Rock at 9, 8 Central. We were in the fast lane real quick. Featuring... The Doors, The Grateful Dead's Bob Weir, The Doobie Brothers, and Carlos Santana. These guys are really out of their minds. True Story Tuesdays, back-to-back shows starting at 8, 7 Central on Access TV. That's AXS TV. Discover Eden Christian Academy and discover an exceptional education in which solid academics and authentic faith prepare students to step confidently into the future. Christ-centered, student-focused, and mission-true since 1983. Visit EdenChristianAcademy.org. Looking to save on Medicare Part D? 
Switching to Walgreens may help you save on your Medicare Part D prescription. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. Talk to the pharmacist to learn more. Mostly cloudy tonight with a low of 31. Tomorrow, cloudy skies with rain developing later in the afternoon, high 45. Periods of rain tomorrow night, and there can even be a thunderstorm in some spots later tomorrow night. Temperatures will be rising into the low 50s. A couple of morning showers for Sunday, increasingly windy and turning cooler in the afternoon as we'll have an early high of 55. I'm Aki Weathers' Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. We always enjoy our time with Andy Masick. Andy's the president, the CEO of the Senator John Hines History Center in association with the Smithsonian Institution. So, Andy, uh, last segment we talked about Martin Delaney. Fascinating, which we knew nothing about. So thanks as always. Really, you're just a fabulous storyteller. They just pour out of you. Hey, thanks. There's so much great history in Pittsburgh. It's, it's easy to be passionate okay, about it. If you're sleeping at night, and your wife just pokes you awake. Like, does something just, like, does a story come out I instantaneously? <laughs> when she pokes me, I'm probably looking at my iPhone now, Googling something. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Okay, so speaking of things that you'd want to Google, um, inclines in Pittsburgh are something that if anyone's seen historical photos, they used to dot the landscape all yeah. around in the river valleys here. There, there were more... Uh, funiculars or or inclined planes here in Pittsburgh than any city in America. Really? There there were over 40 of them in Allegheny uh, County, probably 27 of them in Pittsburgh proper. No, wait a second. You just said a strange word. What was it? Funicular. Yes. Funicular. It's actually uh, Latin funiculare. It means a rope under tension. And when when you think about how inclined planes or funiculars work, that makes sense because uh, you have to have two cars, two vehicles uh, for a funicular and a rope and a pulley. And the whole idea is that they're counterbalanced. Mm-hmm. When one goes up, the other goes down. And so it takes very little motive power and very little energy to actually haul these things up and down because they're so well balanced. And uh, in the early days, of course, they would use steam power. Uh, here in Pittsburgh. And then later on by the 1930s, the uh, uh, Monongahela incline was converted from steam to electricity. I see. So the Mon incline is undergoing some sort of big changes now, aren't they? Yeah, well, uh, there's there was a... Uh, a water main break that uh, that caused some problems there, so they're going to have to on be, the hillside or at the actual. I, I unit? think on the hillside. I don't know all the details of the of the reconstruction, but that is a Pittsburgh treasure because not only is uh, that one of the two surviving inclines, but it's the oldest. It's eighteen. 18- See, that surprises me because the Duquesne incline looks old. It looks more classic in in structure, so you'd think it was the oldest right. one. You know, you have a better view when you take the Duquesne incline up. You, it's right at the point. You see that wonderful panorama of the city. The Monongahela incline also goes up uh, about 400 vertical feet up uh, Mount Washington. It's about 650 feet uh, long. 
But it is. Uh, it was built in 1870, and the first funiculars or inclines were were built probably in the late 1860s for coal mining operations oh, really? on Mount Washington. To and move also, coal, it, they were they were actually mining coal uh, out of the hillsides there. That that's why they called Mount Washington Coal Hill. Uh, long before it was called Mount Washington, it was Coal Hill, and in the uh, on. Grants Hill or the Hill District, uh, that was also a coal mining operation. So that's why these funiculars were first built. And then people said, geez, those are really handy. Mm-hmm. I've been taking a thousand steps uh, up the hillside Which to get. Which is terrible in February. Wow, that's a lot of work. So uh, could you make it a passenger uh, incline? And so then they started moving people in it. The, the Mon incline could hold 23 people in a stepped kind of car. You know, the Duquesne incline has one car. It's kind of flat floored. But in the Mon incline, there are actually three levels, three little uh, berths. Uh, One of them is open and two of them are enclosed. And so you could get 23 workers who needed to get down to the the river, to the mills, where they could work uh, in glass manufactories or, or steel mills or their jobs down at the river. People didn't really want to live way up there on the hillside because it was hard to get water up there and it was hard to physically get up there. There weren't roads that took you up there. You had to take the stairs. And it really wasn't until automobiles and buses come into being after you know World War II uh, or right before World War II, I should say, that uh, it was convenient to drive up to McArdle Roadway to get up to Mount Washington. Before that, you really had to take the stairs or the incline. So after a long day of work, you had to get on the stairs and climb up and down. And with the smoky city being down there, it wasn't like the view was the best. Yeah, Well, that's right. So what about that? I mean, Andy, so two survive, but at one point, as Kath made a mention of, there were how many inclines? Any idea? Yeah, there were about 27 in Pittsburgh proper, and some of them were big, fancy things that you could drive two horses and wagons onto. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the now, one, were they like down in the Allegheny, the Valley of the Allegheny River? Well, one of the biggest and longest is more than a thousand feet uh, long. Was uh, over Penn Avenue hmm. and over Bigelow Boulevard. Okay. There was a resort up there in the Hill District, and they would take. Uh, you could load wagons, cars. What it, it worked uh, up into the 1950s. No kidding. And uh, and that was a great view up there uh, on top of. Uh, the hill, but there were many smaller ones too, and some of them were always kind of industrial. They they were always for moving equipment and coal and raw materials. Um, not all of them were passenger inclines, mm-hmm. but the ones that survived certainly are the ones that were designed for people. Interesting. So, Andy, uh, you know the Smithsonian, of which uh, the Heinz History Center is connected with, often called America's Attic. So, by by association. Are you Pittsburgh's attic, and do you have things like from the inclines of past that you're holding? You know, it's interesting that you ask that. I was just playing with one of those things before I came over. In uh, about 1880, a 
Pittsburgh machinist made a model of the Mon incline really? for his his uh, son who was just born in 1880 and uh, it's made of wood and brass and it's mechanical and it all works and when you come to the history center if you go to our our uh, visible storage area where we keep all the attic stuff that isn't really on exhibit but we want people to be able to see mm-hmm. you can see this model of the mon incline it stands about uh, four feet tall and maybe five feet long and you can see how it works these counterbalanced cars going up and down and it's a beautiful work of art oh i love it so much L- let's take a break uh, our, our conversation continues with andy Masick. The president, the CEO of the Senator John Hines History Center. More in store about uh, the history of the city of Pittsburgh. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends with the best new music. New music music from Big Daddy Weave Alive. Resurrected by Elevation Worship. And Greatness of Our God, new from the Newsboys. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend. What's inside your mattress affects its price, comfort, and durability. But most mattress manufacturers won't show you what's inside their products because they simply don't want you to know. How can you know if you're getting the best value if you don't know how your mattress is made? At the Original Mattress Factory, we believe that transparency is what's best for our customers. So we have open displays of each model in our showroom so you can see and feel the difference in our products. Visit one of our local Original Mattress Factory stores to see exactly what we're made of. Not so long ago, all mattresses had two sides. And for a good reason. You can flip two-sided mattresses regularly, making them last longer than one-sided mattresses. So, what happened to two-sided mattresses? In an effort to cut costs, most mattress manufacturers cut their mattresses in half. For nearly three decades, the original mattress factory has believed that building high-quality two-sided mattresses is the right thing to do. Visit us in one of our stores or at OriginalMattress.com to see how our products are built right and built to last. Compassion International presents Casting Crowns Only Jesus Tour with very special guest Zach Williams and Austin French. Casting Crowns performing songs from their brand new album Only Jesus along with many of your favorite Casting Crowns hits. Casting Crowns Only Jesus Tour with very special guests Zach Williams and Austin French. Live at PPG Paints Arena 7pm Saturday March 9th. Less than 2,000 seats remain at PPG Arena.com. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade. Through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community. With results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. You own a local business and your national competition is eating your lunch. But you can beat them with our digital marketing experts. 
We're Salem Surround. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. To succeed in business, you need talent. You find talent at the Word FM Job Fair. Businesses know our job fairs set the standard in this town thanks to the caliber of this audience. Highly trained, always seeking to up their game. These are loyal, hardworking, dedicated folks who'd seriously consider your offer if they only knew you had one. The Word FM Job Fair, Thursday, March 28th, 11 to 3 at the Pittsburgh Plaza Hotel Green Tree. It's anything but business as usual. Secure your presence now at 412 937 1500. Hey, thanks for being with us on this Friday edition of The Ride Home. Andy Masick's with us. Andy, the president, the CEO of the Senator John Hines History Center. We've been talking about funiculars, which is another fancy word for inclines, which is what we know them as here in the city of Pittsburgh. And Andy, when we were off the air, I was mentioning that we had Tom Reinheimer on our show a few months ago, and he does marketing for the Duquesne Incline. And the thing I loved so much about his story was the fact that the Duquesne Incline was saved by its own neighborhood. It really is a great story because the people up on Mount Washington didn't want to see the the incline go away. And yet, you know, it wasn't really profitable right. anymore. Once uh, cars and buses would and take people up to their homes and get them around the city, people just didn't want to pay that 10 cents for the for the inclined plane. But the people banded together. They created an historical organization, and the Port Authority of Allegheny County then leases it to the private nonprofit history group, which uh, operates it today. And we all owe them a debt yeah, of gratitude. Yeah, I love yeah. that community investment right. in that, that we all benefit from. I mean, how many photographs? I was just looking at a, a Dave DiCello photograph just a couple of days ago, who's a, who's a Pittsburgh photographer, does wonderful, wonderful work. And he just did a, a gorgeous shot during the polar vortex, was that last week, the week before, of the Duquesne incline, you know, looking down towards the point. And I thought... Boy, we owe those people. Yeah, it, it is an iconic part of Pittsburgh. No doubt. If, if you're going to find something that everyone says, oh, that's Pittsburgh, it, it's those incline uh, planes. And when you get up there on that observation platform and you look out over the panorama of the city, you look down on the point, you see the tracery of Fort Duquesne and you see the outline of Fort Pitt as well. And you see the fountain geysering and you see the clear green water of the Allegheny meet the muddy water of the Monongahela and forming the Ohio. I tell you, there's just no better place in Pittsburgh to orient yourself and your guests from out of town. That's fabulous. So speaking of the incline, in a way to avoid the steps, Pittsburgh's unique in many ways because of all these weird steps that we have everywhere, right? And they're still around. We've got more city steps than any any country any city in the world really the yeah. city owns and maintains, maintains. to some degree yeah. now it's phenomenal uh, i mean you've heard that we have more bridges than any city in the yes. world 446 uh, bridges but uh, that's it's it's our peculiar geography here we're, we're hilly hills and dales and rivers and ravines all come together so we need to find a way to to overcome them and bridges are one way and uh, inclined planes are another to get up and down. I see. Mm-hmm. Tell us about John Roebling. 
John Roebling is a really interesting character, and and without him, we wouldn't have inclined planes because he's the guy who invented steel cable. And he started out on the Allegheny River, and he got a contract to build a bridge over the Allegheny. But this wasn't just any bridge. It had to, um, it had to be a, an aqueduct or a water bridge because the canal boats from the Pennsylvania Canal had to get from one side of the river to the other, and it was higher than the Allegheny River. So they needed a water bridge. So how are you going to build something so strong? He came up with the idea, well, we need to build a suspension bridge. Well, nobody had been able to successfully build a suspension bridge because there was nothing strong enough to suspend it. Rope wasn't going to do it. He came up with wire rope. He used iron wire, twisted it just the way you would twist a, a rope. Later, they used steel wire. That's what became steel cable. That made the first suspension bridges in the world right here in Pittsburgh. Later on, Roebling went on to build the Brooklyn Bridge in New York. Wow. Wow. And he's the reason why we have the inclines we still have today? Yeah. With, without that cable, without that steel cable, you couldn't have this counterbalanced mm-hmm. kind of uh, cars. You don't want to be hanging on rope. No. That, you know, hemp is swell. Uh, but, uh, you know. <laughs> but not for that. That thing snaps and you come down real fast. I see. And so Roebling was also, the, he, did he design and build the Smithfield Street Bridge as well? He built a, a, a bridge, a, a beautiful suspension bridge uh, where the Smithfield Street Bridge bridges today and uh, that really became the model for the the Brooklyn Bridge and then other suspension bridges all over the world fabulous so any just a few minutes left but you know early on in our conversation we talked about the Smithsonian uh, Smithsonian being the attic and of course the Heinz History Center so when you go into that attic Aren't you like a kid in a candy store? <laughs> or I mean, are you the crazy uncle? Yeah. I mean, don't you want to, like, uh, if you let me in there, I'd want to go in and put, like, you know, Hannes Wagner's, you know, ball jersey on or just, <laughs> you know, hold some bats or things like that. You get to go in there with, the, you know, the curators and yeah. see and touch. The curators are worried about me in <laughs> there. So they, so they say we, we have to go Amy. with him and, and they bring gloves. Uh, we've got these uh, special gloves. They're, they're not cotton gloves. We used to use cotton. Now we use these kind of nitro uh, gloves that prevent the salts and moisture mm-hmm. from your fingers from getting on the artifacts, and because we're we're all about the conservation or the sure. preservation of these things for future generations. But I I love going in there and and I uh, I go and find the Biddle brothers' sleigh. You know the the sleigh. The first slow speed chase in American history. I'm was not here. familiar. Oh, come on. Mrs. Sofel, the wife yes. of the, the superintendent of County Allegheny Jail. County Jail, she falls in love with one of the prisoners, Ed Biddle. They, uh, they kill a guard. They, uh, they jump in the sleigh. They go on a slow speed chase, one horse open sleigh <laughs> to, uh, Butler. And the uh, Butler, that doesn't sound like the Christmas song. I know it. I didn't think that uh, who was going to go to Butler. And so they uh, they do stop at a hotel and they kind of consummate their love affair. And uh, they shouldn't have done that. That wasted like yeah, an exactly. hour. She stopped. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they get back in the sleigh and there's a big shootout uh, near Butler. And. Uh, uh, the Biddle brothers are killed, and Mrs. Sofel asks Ed Biddle, uh, before he dies, to shoot her in the breast. And uh, he does, and yet she's only wounded. And so they, they try her, and they put her in jail, in her husband's jail. 
And later on, she gets out. Uh, she does vaudeville, and she becomes a seamstress <laughs> on the north side in Allegheny City. Fabulous. It's a great movie as well, but yeah. it doesn't go as in-depth as that story. <laughs> we have the sleigh with the bullet holes in it in storage at the History Center. So that's the kind of thing I get to go look at. Oh, that's at. fabulous. And does the sleigh ever make an appearance? Oh, occasionally it makes an appearance, you know, and people can uh, see the bullet holes. And we'll have to get it out again. Oh. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's not the Apollo 11 capsule. No, and no. apparently va- vaudeville was taking all sorts. <laughs> we'll Felons or not. Andy Macy's with us from the Heinz History Center. Stick around. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, no negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. Hi, Pittsburgh. This is Tunch Ilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. With the Pittsburgh Auto Show going on this month, there's extra bonus cash savings all month long. This month only, you can save big with 0% financing for up to 60 months on select 2019 Equinoxes in stock. The team at Calusi Chevrolet has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years, so you can buy with confidence knowing that they are going to treat you right. For more details, go to Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. The Pittsburgh Catholic, the widest circulated weekly newspaper in western Pennsylvania, has been keeping its faithful readers informed and inspired since March 16, 1844. To celebrate 175 years in our community, a special publication is planned for March 15th. Join this community celebration and become a part of history with your congratulatory ad. Reserve your space today at 412-471-1253. That's 412-471-1253. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville is everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. Now, on a brand new night, it's Word FM Skate Night at Neville Rollerdrome. The first Wednesday of the month, join Kenny Woods and a live Word FM audience and skate to your favorite CCM hits with prizes and giveaways 6.30 to 9 p.m. You could win a free skate night for your family or youth group. Admission $7. Skate rental just three more. Pastors and youth pastors skate free. Word FM Skate Night at Neville Rollerdrome, beginning Wednesday, March 6th. Groups over 30 must register in advance. Email info at skatenrd.com.
Andy Masick has been with us this hour, president, the CEO of the Senator John Hines History Center. Andy, I, I love to visit uh, the museum because, you know, you were sort of in the neighborhood before the neighborhood was really sort of much going on there. And, and also a big part of this is, you know, when Christmas time comes and whatnot, I like to go on to museum gift shops and you've got a great gift shop there. I just want to oh, put a, it is a I want to put a plug yes. in for that because that's very cool, unique gifts. Hey, thanks, because we think we have a terrific gift shop. And if you want uniquely Pittsburgh things That's for your, your guests and your relatives and people who have special events, uh, come to the History Center. And you'll, you'll see some great uh, uh, Heinz products, too. This is the 150th anniversary of the Heinz Company mm-hmm. this year. It was 1869 that, uh, that – H.J. Hines started that business. Nice. So when you come to Pittsburgh or to the History Center, uh, take a look at some of the great Hines stuff. We Outstanding. Have. Wow. My family should have a special celebration. They really you know, should. Oh, said, that's right. I said before on the air, my parents met at the H.J. Hines You're company. You're the product of the I'm Hines. I'm the product of the Hines company. <laughs> the little pickle here. Were it not for the pickle pin, et cetera, <laughs> Kathleen would not be here. Andy, it's always a great pleasure. Thanks for stopping by. Really. Th- thanks for having me here. I love telling Pittsburgh history. Well, we love it, hearing them. You do it better than anyone else. That's right. Take a break. Come back. We got lots more ahead for the five o'clock hour. Um, do we even dare speak about Robert Kraft? Yep, we're and talking the about Robert Kraft. Holy smokes! We're going to talk about who needs gender. Why men and women are dressing identically? Oh, that's from the Wall Street Journal. Me- Get your four thousand eight hundred dollar blazer. I think they're on sale. Remember that one day you and I came in wearing the same thing? Yeah, we were wearing boots and turtlenecks, ball <laughs> <All> caps. <laughs> Stick around. WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump appeared before reporters this afternoon at the White House where he says he's optimistic about a trade deal with China. I would say that it's more likely that a deal will happen. Uh, The fact that they're staying, and this is a very high delegation. This is a a man who is uh, revered all throughout China as the vice premier. So the fact that they're willing to stay for um, quite a bit longer period, doubling up the time, that means something. The president's also vetoing uh, if Congress passes a resolution blocking his use of a national emergency declaration to fund a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. Will I veto it? 100 percent. 100 percent. And I don't think it survives a veto. We have too many smart people that want border security, so I can't imagine it could survive a veto, but I will veto it, yes. On Wall Street, the up by 181 points. The Nasdaq rose 68. This is SRN News. The average person considers estate planning just for the wealthy. Attorney Michelle Conti, host of Conti's Law on estate planning for the everyday person. There's a lot that goes into it. People take more time picking out what car they're going to buy, where they're going to go to dinner, as opposed to what happens to my children. The state will dictate who gets what if you don't indicate who is to receive your stuff upon your passing. We want to make sure we plan appropriately so that they get the best of both worlds. They continue to receive the benefit and they get the inheritance. The other thing you have to think about is tax planning. We tried to be proactive in the approach that we minimize 
any type of tax consequence when somebody dies, depending on the value of the estate. These taxes range anywhere from 45 to 40%. So we try to make sure that the beneficiary will receive as much as they legally are able to. Hear more on Conti's Law, Saturday morning at 9 on WORD. For immediate help, visit ContiLawPGH.com. This is going to be the year. This is the year you are finally going to get more sleep, real sleep, deep sleep, the kind where you wake up feeling fully rested, refreshed, and ready to take on the day. Well, put your head on my pillow. This is John Hall. There's no better time than now to make my pillow your pillow. Stop tossing and turning and get the support you need in your quest for a better night's sleep. Right now, Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, is offering word listeners his amazing four-pack special. Order today. You'll receive two premium my pillows along with two go anywhere pillows. Plus, shipping is absolutely free. Just enter the promo code WORD at mypillow.com. Try it. And if you don't absolutely love it, return it within 60 days for a full refund. If you've resolved to get a better night's sleep, now's the perfect time to do it. Use promo code WORD at mypillow.com and make my pillow yours today. That's mypillow.com. Promo code WORD. Compassion International presents Casting Crown. Only Jesus Tour with very special guest Zach Williams and Austin French casting crowns performing songs from their brand new album Only Jesus along with many of your favorite casting crowns hits casting crowns Only Jesus Tour with very special guests Zach Williams and Austin French live at PPG Paints Arena 7 p.m. Saturday March 9th less than 2,000 seats remain at ppgpaintsarena.com when wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. Mostly cloudy tonight with a low of 31. Tomorrow, cloudy skies with rain developing later in the afternoon, high 45. Periods of rain tomorrow night, and there can even be a thunderstorm in some spots later tomorrow night. Temperatures will be rising into the low 50s. A couple of morning showers for Sunday, increasingly windy and turning cooler in the afternoon as we'll have an early high of 55. I'm Aki Weathers' Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along, the Friday edition. You know, I'd like to meet the band, wouldn't you? The band is sort of mysterious to I, us. It's actually one guy in particular who writes and performs the music. All, all the music. Not all the music, but he writes and performs, he, he writes the songs and plays. And I, Phil, I can't think of his last name. Phil Hartman. No, it's not Phil Hartman. Phil Collins. No, it's not Phil Collins. Yeah, Phil Bort. You two, it's not Phil Bort. No. Phil Bort. Okay, stop it. Stop it. I'll get the guy's name and I'll let you know who okay, plays fine. our music. Our, our music. Right. We claim it. It's the it John and Kathy theme song. It is. It? All right, so um, since I forgot in the four o'clock hour, I should probably do it now, John. What's guess that? what? Your weekend has begun. Hey, yes. It's five minutes past the five o'clock hour on a Friday afternoon. Truly all is right and well, at least in this corner of the world. Very nice. nice. Way to go. <laughs> 
<laughs> However, Super duper. none of those uh, monikers apply to New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft, mm. who uh, a warrant mm. has been issued and his attorneys have been notified in um, and he's been charged with two counts, a misdemeanor solicitation of prostitution in the state of Florida. OK, this is a very sad story. And I know in Pittsburgh, of course, there's a lot of glee. For this, uh, this is not trap. a moment for glee. No, it's not because uh, you know when you think about what's happening in these massage parlors and you know places that are they're bringing in you know women from other countries or other states. This is essentially sex trafficking. This is sex that's trafficking. That's exactly right. what it is. So, so no um, glee here. Right. So there's been a, a larger crackdown on human trafficking in South Florida, which is wonderful. We should all be grateful for that. Um, affidavits that were obtained last week indicated that employees of this particular parlor called Orchids of Asia were living there and trapped there as part of a trafficking ring. Many of them are from China, according to the report. So the good news is they'll be free. They will be. Now, here's here's the thing I think that's most important for us to remember way beyond and anything regarding the NFL or football or Robert Kraft being a billionaire, whatever it is. Um, human trafficking is a term that we hear a lot, um, but it seems like it's out, out there. there. It seems like it happens in Thailand or right. it happens in, you know, uh, in Russia or it happens in, you know, where, but it does. Well, it's no happening. It happens here. It's happening right here. And this story, I think, is a perfect occasion for us to remind ourselves that there are young women and young men, but mostly young women who are trapped um, in trafficking situations, which means that they're held against their will. Um, their passports are confiscated and they are stuck and they don't often know a language or a culture. They've been lured to America or lured to a different state or wherever it is right. for the by the promise of something better than they were able to obtain where they were. Right. And then when they get here, they realize it's nothing like what they thought it was. But now they don't have any ability uh, or any independence to remove themselves from a situation. They find themselves in a place like Orchids of Asia. And uh, it, it's human slavery that is existing today and it's not just Robert Kraft there were 200 more than 200 people that were named on just this affidavit um every single person was caught on video wow okay so kudos to the police yes. for this undercover sting operation Being. someone told them about it and they set up shop so every single one of these men was caught on video being serviced by a slave wow wow so, just keep that in your mind because that's what the story is. Yeah, yeah. So it's not about Robert Kraft. It's well, not about the NFL. Oh yeah. It's about young women that are victimized here in America and all around the world. And that's good. That's a really excellent way to frame it. The truth is there. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So not about football at all. No, no glee here in the city of Pittsburgh. No. There should not be about Absolutely this. Absolutely not. If there's any glee, it should be some young women who have been subjugated, subjugated are now free. Okay. Well, let's pray for them. All right. So, um, but let's move on to something a little lighter. Right. So, okay. you and I get a kick out of um, the Wall Street Journal's uh, fashion, oh my architecture, life section, right? Yeah. We, we both subscribe to the journal. I love the journal. It's my favorite newspaper. And um, we get it because of you know uh, because of here. Sure. Right. You yeah. Know. But even if I didn't work here, I think I'd probably get it. My dad's gotten it for years. I've always enjoyed it. But the lifestyle section always. <laughs> I mean, it's the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Always gives me a laugh because whatever it is they're reviewing, whether they're talking about, you know, jackets that are in style or, you know, a new home trend or whatever it is, it's just such large dollars that are just so unbelievably like non-achievable for the average person. Exactly. Right. So there's a headline in today's Wall Street Journal that says, who needs gender 
why men and women are dressing identically. So they're, they're essentially, you know, they're talking about going online. You know, whether you go to, you know, Land's End or wherever you're shopping online, there's always the menu, of course. And, you know, you're looking for, I'm looking for, you know, a men's jacket. You know, I'll type that in or on the menu, there's men's clothing, women's clothing. Well, now, apparently, in some of the higher end places, the edgier, more progressive retail locations, gotten rid of all of that. And you just type in blazer. okay? so now they've got men and women. Now, this is radio, so you can't see the visuals, but it's men and women, these, you know, these beautiful looking androgynous beings. And because, of course, that's what we should all be shooting for. Right. They're wearing the exact same outfit. And so there's a blazer uh, from left. Here's a, an image from left. Blazer. That's all it says. Just blazer. Mm-hmm. $4,800. <laughs> $4,800. That's great. Purple, that to- purple top. That's great. $980. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pants, mm-hmm. $1,700. White hat, $980. Mm-hmm. Red hat, So if you and your wife, you and your husband want to dress in an androgynous way, which is now the new cutting edge, be prepared to take out a second mortgage. You asking my opinion on that, John? Because if you're not, I wish you would. No, no, please do. I'm just dying to give it. Would you and your husband do that? Listen to me. (laughs) You going to do that? There is no comparison between how women's clothing is cut and how men's clothing is cut. You think. Okay. So if you want to think of yourself as progressive and cutting edge and pay $4,000 for your blazer, go ahead. But I promise you that's either going to look good, better on a man or better on a woman or terrible on both yes. because there is zero chance it will look good on both of you. You got that right. The Wall Street Journal, this is from the article, the entire concept of what it means to dress like a man has morphed tremendously in the past decade. Damien Paul, head of menswear for English retailer MatchesFashion.com, oh, I love that. pointed to entertainers and athletes as the catalyst behind this shift, including rapper... A dollar sign AP Rocky, who is open to experimenting with different brands that may be our women's wear. Rocky has worn pearls and a fluid pink suit, yet somehow avoids looking like he got lost on the way to the men's department. Really? Other influential stars have moved the needle, including Pharrell Williams, with his purchase for wearing Chanel cardigans, and actor Ezra Miller, who sported leopard print coats. All right. Okay, so I can see that. Now, here's the thing. I have worn men's clothing in my life. So if I go to Goodwill, which I do often, or to the red, white, and blue on Route 65, and pick up something that is a men's shirt or a men's jacket. Yeah. I understand that that can be a fashion thing. You're looking, it's like a bulky look. Oh, what? All of a sudden it's cast fashion rules. What am exactly. I talking about? Hey, Kathy Emmons uh, chiming di- in. I want a different song. But, <laughs> but I, I mean, I get that. I get that you can go for like a boxy look or what. But I'm just saying that for, for regular life styling, for going to work or for go, you cannot cross over and women wear men's pants all the time and well, men wear women's pants all it just doesn't work i mean you can do it it just looks bad well whenever this comes up i often think of uh diane keaton in annie hall of course right right because she was famously wearing men's right men's suits right and, and she's never ever gotten off of that kick no no she's and it's so that. old 
It is. Every time I see her, I think, really? Yeah. You're well, wearing that again? She's probably in her 70s when she was first, you know, I mean, during that 20, yeah. when she was 20-something. Look, anyway. I just think it's funny how when we get into the upper echelons of money when it comes to clothes, all of a sudden people become really politically preachy about what's good and what isn't without a real regard for what actually looks good. Yeah. Like what just looks good. I would like to see you and I model the same shirt sometime. <laughs> it's just not well, gonna here's the deal. It. When you're spending four thousand eight hundred dollars on a blazer, chances are the fabric's beautiful. That's a good point. Right? The and cut... I've seen Pharrell in the Chanel thing and he he can totally pull that off. Of course off. he can. But look at what Pharrell's body type is. I mean Pharrell does not have a normal male body type. He's in terrific shape. Mm-hmm. He's in unbelievable shape. He's in better shape than you know, ninety-eight percent of the people in the world. So if there, if some other guy is wearing the Chanel jacket, it's not going to be pulled off. Yeah, some go ahead, make my day. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to save you some unnecessary right. grief. Now, Mike, on the other hand, Mike's fashion rules is what he does not necessarily care for the androgynous look. What Mike desires more than anything is the onesie look. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, he's all about mm-hmm. the onesie. Which... We wanted our pictures taken, our our group, the ride home photo for Christmas taken in onesies, and you're the only one who wouldn't agree. I was not going there. That's that's just a debacle. It's comfortable. You should have done it. Worst, John. the worst. Is that a men's outfit or a woman's outfit? Exactly. It's both. Uh huh. David Bowie looks good in that. It's a baby outfit. One hundred one point five W O R D. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, Word FM goes with you. That's because we're no longer trapped inside a radio. We're now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. We're ubiquitous. There's an app for that, right? On TuneIn, on iHeart, on our own app, on WordFM.com, on ChristianRadio.com, on the next Radio FM chip. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. On your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. One of 1.5 WORD. What's inside your mattress affects its price, comfort, and durability. But most mattress manufacturers won't show you what's inside their products because they simply don't want you to know. How can you know if you're getting the best value if you don't know how your mattress is made? At the Original Mattress Factory, we believe that transparency is what's best for our customers. So we have open displays of each model in our showroom so you can see and feel the difference in our products. Visit one of our local Original Mattress Factory stores to see exactly what we're made of. Not so long ago, all mattresses had two sides, and for a good reason. You can flip two-sided mattresses regularly, making them last longer than one-sided mattresses. So, what happened to two-sided mattresses? In an effort to cut costs, most mattress manufacturers cut their mattresses in half. For nearly three decades, the original mattress factory has believed that building high-quality two-sided mattresses is the right thing to do. Visit us in one of our stores or at OriginalMattress.com to see how our products are built right and built to last. Ah, the good old days. Mm -hmm. Were things always better in the good old days? Well... I feel like men and women didn't wear the same clothes. Well, on the farm they do. I mean, bib overalls are bib overalls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Marsh. How you doing? <laughs> Good. Just a fashion rule. out there, aren't you? We're doing the best we can, Marsh. Yeah. It's a fashion rule bleeding over into Marsha, into the spring house. Huh? How you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? We can't complain. Good. What's going on at the spring house, Marsh? Well, it's kind of a peaceful weekend after a busy week last year, last weekend. Um, but I was thinking about something. I just thought I'd just share. I do a little what we call movings around here. Instead of musings, we have movings. 
So the other day, I was driving down the hill past the old milking parlor where we grew up milking the cows. And um, it just has four stalls, and it's little. We were only milking 40 cows, and now we're milking 110 on the back side of the farm, 20 at a time. But anyway, so that parlor gets to be a storage parlor. But we had, in the fall, we had these wooden cutouts of our family, 40, when we were celebrating our 40th anniversary, 40th, 30th anniversary. So they did these a while ago. But it's us back when we opened. So I was 12. Oh. And, um, and then goes down to my brother Sam with six, five kids, and mom and dad. But anyway, they put those when they when they packed those things away. They put them in the old parlor, which has a a big window. So when I drove down the hill the one day, I looked over there, and it was like it made me jump. It was like I went back forty years. Wow. <laughs> we would have been in that milking parlor, you know, just like that, just like those those wooden cutouts in there, and milking the cows as high school kids, and feeding the calves, and working in the store, and all those kind of things, and. I'm just, um, I'm just feeling really thankful to be a part of a family farm and get to getting to work with my family, and we'd love to share our family farm and our family with everybody out there. Outstanding. Well, listen, uh, the good old days still exist at the Spring House because it's good old-fashioned home cooking, milk, bread, cookies, you name it. It's all there. Highly recommended. Check out the Spring House this weekend. I've been searching for ways to grow deeper in my faith and strengthen my daily walk, and I found it at Crosswalk.com. From Bible study tools to Christian living articles, devotionals, movie reviews, to marriage and finance articles, you get the idea. Crosswalk.com also has a great online community of Christians just like me. With everything just a click away, it's like having a trusted friend, teacher, and mentor right here at my desk every day. Crosswalk.com, the intersection of faith and life. Folks, we must come out of hiding before we can recover and heal. Join Terry Hanna for Christians with Secret Addictions. How do we recognize the exact nature of our sins, our secrets, our embarrassing behaviors, our repressed nature? Must be brought to the forefront. We have to write it down to own it. We have to look at our mess before we can clean up our mess. Christians with Secret Addictions, Sunday night at 645 on WORD. Hey, this is the weekend for Jubilee, the annual Coalition for Christian Outreach Conference held at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. It starts today, runs through Sunday, uh, and all week long we've featured guests for, for Jubilee. Jonathan Seal is with us right now. Jonathan is in Pittsburgh right now, but born in the flatlands of Texas, raised in the jungles. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. That's right. That's not all. It's Tom Nelson. Oh, there I am. I got totally screwed up. Did you? My, my, my apologies. Poor Tom Nelson's on the other line going, wait, hey, wait, wait just wait. a minute. I'm not here to talk about Pick art. Pick this up, Kath. I'm lost. Good grief. I'm happy Wrong. to have Tom Nelson with us. And Tom, are you there? I am here. It's great to be part of your show today. Uh, well, you, not are, really, Tom. Aren't I mean, you relieved that we weren't asking you about art? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I was. Okay, let me introduce you, Tom. <laughs> Tom's, to the, Tom's the president of Made to Flourish and the author of Work Matters, Connecting Sunday Worship to Monday Work, and more than several other books. He's also the senior pastor of Christ Community Church in Kansas City. Welcome into the program, Tom. Hi, Tom. It is great to be in Pittsburgh today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're always happy to have you, Tom. Now, you know, this is a, something you. that you have spent a lot of time not just theorizing, but kind of working in the trenches on with people in your own church. So let's start here. I mean, I think a lot of us in Pittsburgh who are in the Christian community, um, 
have been beneficiaries of the Coalition for Christian Outreach. I know I'm a product of the CCO. And so when I was in college, I was starting to learn this idea that Sunday worship isn't divorced from Monday work, that this is just part of a Christian calling, is that our work matters to God. But still, you know, there are many people listening to our show right now who aren't believers in Jesus and who maybe for them, that idea is still very new. Well, yes, and uh, I just want to encourage wherever people are in their spiritual journey that uh, Viktor Frankl, a wonderful uh, Jewish psychiatrist, spoke a lot in uh, Man's Search for Meaning, that we all are meaning-seeking creatures, and work is a part of that meaning-seeking. So if we miss the importance of work in God's design, uh, we miss the sense of deep meaning and purpose in our life, and that's a big part of it. But, but Tom, a lot of people are unhappy in their jobs, right? So they think of jobs as just a, as a means to an end. It's a paycheck. To think of God in the middle of your work, it sort of runs anathema because, you know, it's Friday. People are living for the weekend. Well, yeah, but it's still not satisfying because the weekend is short, right? Yeah. And it's still not satisfying. And God designed us to work. I mean, I think that's the great Christian story. From the very beginning, we image him by being workers, being creative. And yes, our work is broken. That's part of what sin means in the world. But we can redeem it. And one of the things I love about my congregation is more and more people, as they understand God's story of work, even though sometimes their jobs really are you know, difficult, is they say, thank God it's Monday, and I just thank God it's Friday. And that's my hope that people learn God's story of work, no matter where they are, that they will look at Monday and go, thank God it's Monday, not just thank God it's Friday. That's good. Right. Okay, so let's talk about God's story of work. Um, I think perhaps the conventional perspective is that, as John said, work is a means to an end. So I, I had a pastor right here from Pittsburgh years ago. Um, I asked him about how, you know, what his... Uh, relationship was with um, explaining to his congregants the connection between worship and work. And this is what he said. Um, He said, Tom, well, my job is to preach the gospel. And for the people that come to my church, their job is to go out and work and give money to the church so that I can preach the gospel. Well, I don't know. I don't know the pastor and I I respect my fellow clergy, but I do think that's uh, an impoverished understanding of God's work in the world and the pastoral vocation. I would just simply say that the more I study Scripture is that, yes, I have to preach the gospel on Sunday, but really pastors are to equip their congregation for Monday life. And the big shift that's needed for many of us pastors is not to have a church just for Sunday. Sunday matters, but to do a church for Monday. So I, I think equipping people for their Christian life that calls them to serve Christ in every dimension really changes the pastor's vocation and priority. I know it did for me, because for many years I had a massive Sunday-to-Monday gap. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to bridge that, and Major Flourish is trying to bridge that. I, I, I understand where he's coming from, but I do think that's missing out on a big part of our calling as pastors. Oh, man. Tom Nelson's with us. Tom serves as the president of Made to Flourish, the author of Work Matters, Connecting Sunday Worship to Monday Work. What about... What about the journey that we're each on, Tom, each one of us who who has uh, chosen to follow Jesus, um, that we're trying to figure out what 
this Christian calling is supposed to look like. So some of us kind of land on the side of, well, our Christian calling is supposed to be uh, compassion-based. And so we should be working for nonprofits. We should be serving. We should be unconcerned about wealth creation. We should be unconcerned about uh, accumulating goods. Um, it, it should be compassion, compassion. And then perhaps on the other side, you might find uh, believers who said, no, 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 our, our job is that we're supposed to be intellectual, uh, creative beings. And so our job is to be capitalistic. We're supposed to follow our own dreams and our own, you know, search for our own happiness. And um, God can lead us along that journey. And, you know, so we're, this is how we're supposed to live. So it's kind of like the compassion versus the capitalism. Um, how do you see that, that choice that people are laying out? Well, you know, that's a really insightful question. And let me try to be brief on that. I think in my own journey of not only saying the scriptures and theology and being a pastor on the ground, I've been a pastor for 30 years. Clearly, the call to Christ-like compassion is really a strong call, and all of us should have that for our neighbor. But I do think we really miss the importance of capacity. And in the book that I wrote recently called The Economics of Neighborly Love, I make a theological case that bridges to economic uh, flourishing around uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan and the Great Commandment. Most of us know that, but I really think we're missing Jesus' teaching that the Great Commandment in loving your neighbor is not just taking them soup when they're sick. That's a good thing, right? or mowing their lawn on their own vacation, I think we have a very impoverished understanding of what Jesus meant about loving your neighbor. And what I'm just trying to say is that loving our neighbor does involve compassion, uh, but it also involves the capacity to care for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we have compassion, and I think about this, if we have compassion without capacity, we have frustration. But if we have capacity without compassion, we have human alienation. But if we bring those two together, compassion and capacity, then we have human transformation. That's what I think Jesus is teaching about neighborly love. Both are important. Uh, and we were created to be generous, to love others, but if we don't have time, talent, and treasure to be generous and have yeah. capacity, we can't really love our neighbor well. Right. Yeah, that's, that is, you know, I heard you talk about this a year ago, this, this link between compassion and capacity. And I guess I want you to break that down yeah. a little more for people who haven't heard it before. I mean, the compassion, I think, is something that's, it's easily understood because we can yeah. say, okay, so God has called us to care for those who are sick and care for those who are in prison and care for the widows and orphans. And I mean, if that's right. not a part of your Christianity, then none of us are doing it right. Um, but what, how does the capacity fit in and what is capacity? Well, that's a really, again, a great question. I, I would have to start uh, very briefly with how the scriptures start. I mean, when we were created, even before sin and death entered the world and work was corrupted and community was corrupted, we were created to be fruitful. I mean, that's the early chapters of Genesis. And we're not created in isolation. You know, I call it moving from me to we, because there's a lot of conversation on work, how my work matters. That's important. But we need to understand that we were created with community in mind, that that work is a collective enterprise, and that's the bridge to economics. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's capacity building, right? I mean, because we're not isolated, and we create value from the creator order in our work, and we share that value. And in a global economy, that is monetized many times. And it's in that monetization of our value creation that we love others. We have the capacity to care for a person that need And that's what the Good Samaritan does, right? It's through his work in a first century economy. He has the resources to take this guy to the inn, right, right to care for him, and give out you know, his America Express card. Uh, that's a part of compassion, is having the capacity to truly care for a physical need and to care for others. I think we miss it if we don't see both are vital and that our work creates capacity for us to truly meet a neighbor. And one of the things Jesus said, or in the New Testament, the picture is, I guess it's John, but 
when you see a brother or sister in need, and you say, this is James, sorry, uh, you see, you go warm and be filled and don't care for them, how can the love of God be in them? And how do you care for them? You have to have capacity. So, Tom, just last night, I was the recipient of this. Uh, my dad's been in the hospital for the last three months or so. And uh, just last night, a friend of mine met me at the hospital. And uh, she came over. She opened up my car door. And in my car door, she put this giant vat of food. Now, so that was a gift of compassion. I didn't ask her to do that for me. I didn't say, boy, I could really use a giant vat of food. Um, but she had compassion on what my family's going through, while at right. the same time she had the capacity her herself and her family to purchase the food. She had the time to make it, and she had the wherewithal to bring it. Yeah, and that's exactly the picture of neighborly love. It, it's both. And if she didn't have some economic capacity... She might have been able to be there to pray for you, which is important capacity, or serve you in some way, but to tangibly meet a physical need, that was done through an economic global exchange with lots of neighborly love that creates capacity. So that's a great example. We don't think about the importance of that. Without economic capacity, she couldn't have done that at that level to care for your needs. Tom Nelson's with us. The new book is called The Economics of Neighborly Love. Now, Tom, uh, you spoke today at Jubilee Professional. Yes, what a delightful time to be here. Wonderful. Isn't that a wonderful event that goes on? The Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation puts that on um, in uh, in coordination with the CCO. And then, of course, Jubilee starts this evening. Um, and will you be speaking or have some kind of, uh, of uh, part to play in Jubilee, Tom? Yes, I am delighted. I'm going to be doing a workshop uh, for college students on why their work matters, bringing the broad story of Scripture of creation, fall, right, redemption, restoration, and focus really specifically on work. So I'm hopeful that the college students who are part of my workshop will be encouraged about the importance of work and give them some direction. So I'm really thrilled to be here. I love that. Well, you are a welcome addition to Jubilee, as you are each year. That's Tom Nelson. The book is called The Economics of Neighborly Love. Jubilee is going on this weekend at uh, the convention center put on by the Coalition for Christian Outreach. Nothing changes the appearance of a house like a new front entry door. Energy Swing Steve Rennekamp on the best way to raise your curb appeal. What our consultants have the ability to do is actually take a picture of your house and superimpose new entry doors on that. So they can change the color, they can change the style, they can change the glass options. They can do a lot with their computer simulation program so you can actually see how that door is going to look in your house. If you're picking an entry door at a big box store, you don't really know what's going to look like on your house till you get there. With the way we do it, you can actually see that door on your house and make any changes you want to before you decide to buy. Wintertime's a good time to do this because you beat the price increases that are coming next year. The other nice thing is with all of our doors, we supply a free ring doorbell. Right now, take an extra $250 off any new entry door over and above any current offers, plus a free ring doorbell with your purchase for word listeners only. Learn more at EnergySwingWindows.com. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Compassion International presents Casting Crowns Only Jesus Tour. With 
very special guest, Zach Williams and Austin French. Casting Crowns. Performing songs from their brand new album, Only Jesus, along with many of your favorite Casting Crowns hits. Casting Crowns, Only Jesus Tour, with very special guests, Zach Williams and Austin French. Live at PPG Paints Arena, 7 p.m. Saturday, March 9th. Less than 2,000 seats remain at ppgpaintsarena.com. I remember when my first child was born, when our first son was born. And, you know, of course, you're in the delivery room with your wife, and uh, there's all this activity and uh, excitement. The doctor, the attending physician, after the baby was born and my wife was okay and the baby was okay, he came over and he handed me my child, my first boy, my first child. And he said, John, the future has arrived. And he put the baby in my arms. And I'll never forget that. I mean, I was so excited. I couldn't believe it. I I looked in my baby's eyes and I thought, who are you? What is the potential in you? What will your future look like? And of course, as a father, you're doing everything to look at that potential, to equip, to engage your child. That's why I'm so happy that my oldest son has chosen Grove City College to unlock that potential. I see it in his life. When he goes away to Grove City for that start of the new semester, and then maybe I'll come back and see him during the Christmas break or at the end of the year, through his freshman, sophomore, and junior year, I see that potential because of the Christ-centeredness of the faculty and staff that equip and engage my son, the work that goes on in the classroom and outside the classroom as well. It's all about Jesus and the intellectual heft, the quality, the nature of the relationships that Grove City presents. If your child is so interested, you see the future in your child, look online, gcc.edu. Mostly cloudy tonight with a low of 31. Tomorrow, cloudy skies with rain developing later in the afternoon, high 45. Periods of rain tomorrow night, and there can even be a thunderstorm in some spots later tomorrow night. Temperatures will be rising into the low 50s. A couple of morning showers for Sunday, increasingly windy and turning cooler in the afternoon as we'll have an early high of 55. I'm Aki Weathers' Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. The founder of one of the first big companies to switch to a four-day working week, as opposed to five, has called on others to follow, John, claiming it has resulted in a 20% rise in productivity. Really? Appeared to have helped increase profits and improved staff well-being. This is from where? This is from The Guardian. So the Europeans are doing this, not the Americans. You're right. Analysis of one of the biggest trials yet of the four-day work week has revealed no fallen output, reduced stress and increased staff engagement, fueling hopes that a better work-life balance for millions could be in sight. Hmm. So Perpetual Guardian, which is a New Zealand a New Zealand financial services company, switched its 240 staff from a five-day work week to a four-day week last November and then maintained their pay. Whoa, to a four-day week. Right. Productivity increased in the four days they worked, so there was no drop in the total amount of work done. A study of the trial released yesterday has revealed. Are they doing four 10-hour days? 
Uh, it does not say what they're doing. It just says, just says they're doing a four-day week. Four, huh. So I don't know how many hours per day. I mean, I can see them doing, you know, like like a, a nurse would work long right, hours. Right, three, three for, or something. Right, something like that to make up for that. But but what if you, you know, five days, what if there's an off day in your four-day? I mean, you got five days, so if you have a bad day in your group, you can make up for it. Right, you but got, you can't make up. It's only 25% of your days. Yeah. You know, that you screwed up That's already. what you worry about, right? You can't right? do that. And what if there's blow-offs in the group? You know, maybe for a certain sector of the population, uh, that four-day work week would be good. But I, I, for everybody in the whole economy, I don't think so. Details of an earlier trial showed the biggest increases were in commitment and empowerment. Staff stress levels were down from 45% to 38 and work-life balance scores increased from 54 to 78. Nice. Well, you, you have to admit, you do like it when you have a long weekend, don't you? But here's the thing. We think it's a long weekend because we've only had two-day weekends. Yeah. 50 years from now, are they going to write articles about the you know, idea of moving to a three-day work week? Oh, boy. Three-day work week? Then I'm, nothing will get done. I mean – I mean, this is always the criticism, however, of how Europeans do it. Right. Right. The criticism is that, you know, especially oh. if you're Parisian, you have incredibly long vacations. Yes, you have months. very You have very little stress in your life and you eat a lot of cheese and olives. But then while, the country's falling we're, apart. We're over here like, you know, killing it. We're driving the world. Right. We are driving the world economically. Yeah. So if we step and away. I don't, and I don't see there. I can't imagine there's going to be an article in a publication from China talking about a four day work no week way. or Japan. And what about the rise of socialism? Right. That's a thing. People are talking about this like it's a reality. Like, oh, yeah. You know, AOC saying, yeah, well, let's let's all be socialists. Right. So how does that change the right. dynamic? How about all of the billboards that people started taking out in New York saying thanks for nothing, AOC? Uh, you know, you decided that because of the tax breaks Amazon was getting that somehow that was unjust. But what about the twenty five thousand jobs you took away from normal yeah. New Yorkers? Right. Right. So AOC, she is the freshman congressman from the Bronx. Right. Who Alexandria is Alexandria Ortez or Casio or Cortez. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's an okay, AOC yeah. is a, a much easier way to call her. It really is. But she has shaken things up as a freshman congressperson. I would like uh, for every freshman congressperson to realize that they just started a new job and they don't know anything. Exactly. That's and what then I would like. Learn on the job, right? Yeah. Figure. I'm not saying that you don't have something to offer. I'm not saying you don't have great ideas. I'm saying that you're new at a job. Yeah. You've been in it for three months, and you should be quiet. So yeah. So just be quiet and uh, go about your business. I mean, everyone, learn on the job. Everyone who has started a new job probably hasn't made a lot of friends by yapping at the mouth for the first 90 days of their employment. Well, these these young congresswomen have, haven't they? Well, they I mean, have they're incredible getting, like, plum well, looked, positions. Well, how about I looked up? You know, I looked up AOC's Twitter following. You know, she's got a million, almost a million and a half more Twitter followers than Nancy Pelosi Holy does. Holy smokes. Well, she did something right. 14,000 yeah, people voted that there, are, there are a lot of people in New York who are saying, hey, before you decide to, to you know, push Amazon out, maybe you ought to ask us whether we want more jobs. 101.5 WORD. Turning Point with David Jeremiah. Instead of filling your life with the thought of your own inadequacy, focus your attention on the adequate one who is God. And through prayer, redirect your thoughts so that as you look at him, you see not your own inadequacy, but you see the adequacy of the Savior. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, Christians Have Stress Too, next time on Turning Point. 
This evening at 7.30 on 101.5 WORD. This is a special notice to all U.S. taxpayers. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's good news. Due to the financial hardship many are facing in today's economy, the IRS has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative. Qualifying for this program will resolve your tax problem, end all collections, and possibly reduce your back taxes by up to 90%. If you are facing wage garnishments, liens, bank levies, audits, or payroll taxes, it's not too late. Your circumstances may qualify you for this special program, protecting your savings and your assets. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's no need to worry anymore. Call the hotline at Victory Tax Solutions to see if you qualify and potentially save thousands. For this free information, call 800-813-1105. That's 800-813-1105. Hi, Pittsburgh. This is Tunch Yilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. With the Pittsburgh Auto Show going on this month, there's extra bonus cash savings all month long. Save over $11,700 on a 2018 Silverado All-Star Edition when you qualify with current GM lease and finance with GM Financial. The team at Calusi Chevrolet has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years, so you can buy with confidence knowing that they are going to treat you right. For more details, go to Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. Showcase your business, meet local customers, and make new connections at the 2019 Pittsburgh North Regional Home Show and Business Expo. One day only, Saturday, February 23rd from 10 to 5 at the Block Northway, formerly Northway Mall, upper level near Wahlburgers. Free and open to the public, this annual event brings hundreds of local customers and over 40 area businesses together. A Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber of Commerce event. Details at pghnorthchamber.com. World Vision presents Big Daddy Weave's Alive Tour. Join Big Daddy Weave in concert as we celebrate coming to life in Christ. The Alive Tour with Big Daddy Weave. Details at BigDaddyWeave.com. Big Daddy Weave, live at Geneva College Matheny Fieldhouse, March 22nd. Tickets and info at TransparentProductions.com. TransparentProductions.com. I was blessed to have my dad in my life until I was eight years old. His passing probably should have devastated my future. Once he was gone, life became really hard. Over the years, I heard so many negative messages, you know, like, you can't, you're not good enough, you won't succeed. I didn't understand it, but somehow they were all drowned out by one voice, my father's. In our short time together, he was constantly reaffirming me and reminding me that I was important to him and to God. He pictured a special future for me, helping me look beyond my circumstances and to dream of what I could be. Now I understand why his words had the greatest impact. He was giving me his blessing. The blessing. It's biblical, it's permanent, and it's one of the most powerful things you can do for your child. Find out more about The Blessing at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Blessing. 
yard today. The new landlord came over to take them away. Now a few branches are all that remain. Sam's never owned a house before. I can't really blame him. He just wants to be sure his foundation is protected. That is the sound of our next guest, Jonathan Seal. Jonathan is a musician, a producer, a sound recordist, lover of culture exchange, a guardian of tradition. Joins us from his studio in Brooklyn called Mason Jar Music. Jonathan is in town as part of the uh, Coalition for Christian Outreach annual Jubilee event starting this evening at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a beautiful sound. Thanks. Jonathan, when we think today of uh, creating, the first thing that comes into my head, and this tells you how sad either I am or our current situation is, I think of some guy in his parents' basement. Mm. Interesting. Right? <laughs> Where do you think that comes well, from? Well, I think it comes from me spending a lot of time on GarageBand myself and seeing how it sucks you in, right? Mm-hmm. And you end up, you know, in your own loop. And I don't mean an electronic one. I mean the one in your head. Um, and But creating, from your perspective, is different. Well, uh, not necessarily. I, you know, I, I'm here because I'm giving a talk tomorrow on um, creating in community. And when I think about... Um, the expressions of creativity that are most important to me or that have moved me the most. Uh, I think about where I grew up. I grew up, uh, my parents were missionaries in Venezuela. And in a lot of countries that aren't uh, America or Europe, um, music and art are their communal expressions. And so singing together, dancing together, um, just uh, playing, playing music, um, those things are all a part of daily life, and we don't put this expectation on them that sh- they should be more than creating in your parents' basement. I think, mm. I think, oh, so, they don't, so everything basement, doesn't have to be stage worthy. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a part of being human, and that's that's part of what my talk's about. I, I, I think that uh, creating in your basement is okay, and I think more people should be should feel free to do that and not and, and think of creativity as something that they're capable of doing rather than something they could only do if they were talented enough to do it for money. Right. But, but creativity somehow has been wrapped around uh, money, right? So people are creating now in their basement in the hopes of followings and clicks and millions and millions of online, which will bring stardom and the cash will soon arrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think that you know, we live in a country in which one of our highest values is capitalism. So things are are not are not considered worth anything unless they make money. Right. Uh, yeah. Even outside of creativity and music, art, uh, that's how we think about most things in right. our life. Okay, so there you are in Brooklyn, right? There's the community building for you right now. You are in many ways, um, you know, sort of the antithesis of creating in your basement because you've got a recording studio, which, uh, you know, a lot of guys are recording in their basements or, you know, having careers in their basements. But you're inviting people to come in and, you know, do this collaborative work. Uh, Yeah, that's right. I I actually live, um, my wife and I live in an intentional community of artists in Brooklyn. And so we have this five-story building uh, where several other artists live, and we all assist each other in in creating uh, together, and then we collaborate on work. 
um, the recording studios there, and we also host community initiatives. So I it's see. a big part of a big part of my life, and that's part of why I'm giving the talk about. So it. intentional community. What's that look like? Describe that and how you fell into this. Sure. Um, well, I, I grew up with uh, tribes in Venezuela. Uh, my parents were were doctors to a, a particular tribe called the Yupa tribe. And um, so I, I've gotten a lot of uh, opportunities to see different expressions of community over time. And it's become something that's been important to me. Uh, in college, I, I went to NYU to study music. And at the time, the music industry had just collapsed. And so um, our professors, there was a big emphasis on entrepreneurship and trying to help us figure out how to survive uh, in the new climate that that in which it's very difficult to make music. And one of the inspirations that I latched onto was Motown uh, uh, and the way that they used community in order to support and create their own music. Mm-hmm. So we modeled our our music collective off of Motown and um, and decided that we would be stronger together. And through that, uh, I, I learned so much about life through community that, that – uh, Stretched even farther than what I could have expected no. when we started for practical reasons. Are you Barry Gordy? I'm, I've, I'm not Barry Gordy. Uh, I, that's, Are you Diana Ross? <laughs> I'm, I'm Diana Ross. You, you guessed it. Yeah, very good. Good. You, you've chosen the right hair. <laughs> you have, yeah. Jonathan Seals with us, born in the flatlands of Texas, raised in the jungles of South America. Nice. Relocated to New York City in 2007 and co-founded Mason Jar Music. And we're uh, talking about the upcoming Jubilee Conference, which starts this evening, uh, sponsored by the Coalition for Christian Outreach. So from your perspective, Jonathan, um, when we think about the essence of music, the, the, you know, you mentioned growing up in Venezuela. My dad lived in Venezuela for a while. My, my husband's a guitar player and he, his great love is Brazilian guitar mm-hmm. music. Um, that type of music, it's like, it's so inextricably linked to the land, to the mm-hmm. culture, to the, to the heat to the everything, you know? And so I wonder how it is that you cultivate, like what kind of music does Brooklyn make? Uh, well, Brooklyn makes, a, you know, there's 8 million people in New York City, so there's so many types of music that get made there. One of the things I love about the music culture of New York City is that um, it attracts risk takers, people who are interested and willing to try new things in, in their work that's not, even though it may not necessarily be uh, commercially viable, at least at the start, and it and New York City also attracts people who have a vision. And no one no one mm-hmm. ends up there accidentally. People all come because they they have something that they want to do or something they want to change or improve about themselves or about the uh, the field that they work in. And I I find that trickles it into the music as well. So I don't know if there's a particular sound because as I said, it's so diverse. But I do think there is an ethos that kind of unites the people who are there. Yeah. And with that same thing, creativity requires a measure of courage, doesn't it? And, and humility. That, yeah, and humility, right? So that you get a sidestep and go, uh, I, I feel something, I think something, I see something, and so I've got to put it out there. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> Absolutely not for the faint of heart. Yeah, it requires uh, a bravery and a vulnerability that I don't – it's not – present in in many other professions Um, and especially for a lot of the music that I work in where it's songwriters who are kind of working to to bear their soul through their music 
uh, a lot of times, you know, I, I think that's why we see so much, so many mental health problems in music. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's a history of mm-hmm. suicide and depression, and I think a lot of that <coughs> has to do with uh, how vulnerable it is to make. Right. And, and with that, with that vulnerability, what about Jesus in the middle of it all? I mean, clearly you're a person of faith. You're combining these two things that are in many ways disparate. Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I see them as disparate, but I think that there's a lot of biblical precedent for some of the things I'm talking about. I mean, talk about living in community. Uh, I think yeah. Jesus is a, uh, a prime example of someone who who sought out 12 people that he said, these are the people that I'm going to do life with. Uh, and, uh, so, and then as far as creativity, I, mean, I was just thinking today as I was preparing for my talk, you know, one of the first earliest verses in the Bible is God as as a triune God saying, "Let us create in in our image." So the right there at the beginning, you've got both creativity as as part of the image of God, and also community. Mm-hmm. And so, if we lose the the understanding of God as creator, ultimate creator, um, do we lose a dimension of what we understand about ourselves and our capacity? Absolutely, yeah. That's a big uh, part of my talk is just helping people to see how much creativity is part of the image of God and therefore a part of themselves and how they're created. Nice. Yeah. Jonathan, if people want to find you, uh, you're obviously on the web. Give us a thread. Sure, yeah. MasonJarMusic.com uh, is, is my website that the collective is part of. And then Son of Cloud is the new music project that uh, you're hearing now. Nice. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jonathan, for stopping by. My pleasure. Jonathan Seal from uh, Brooklyn, New York, Mason Jar Music. Pittsburgh Catholic, the widest circulated weekly newspaper in western Pennsylvania, has been keeping its faithful readers informed and inspired since March 16, 1844. To celebrate 175 years in our community, a special publication is planned for March 15th. Join this community celebration and become a part of history with your congratulatory ad. Reserve your space today at 412-471-1253. That's 412-471-1253. Looking for a challenging hands-on education, one that fosters curiosity, builds confidence, and cultivates a biblical worldview? Look closer at Jubilee Christian School in Mount Lebanon. Jubilee nurtures young minds through an award-winning integrated curriculum, monthly educational field trips, and special programs like art, Kathy's music, drama, snapology, and more. An affordable education with generous financial aid. Jubilee Christian School. Imagine. Believe. Achieve. At jubileecs.org. Looking to save on Medicare Part D? Switching to Walgreens may help you save on your Medicare Part D prescription. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. Talk to the pharmacist to learn more. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz.
That was a long, long time ago, wasn't it? This day in history, February 22nd, what was the year? 1980. Yep, you were right. That's the miracle on ice. In a major upset, the U.S. Olympic hockey team defeated the Soviets 4-3. to It is impossible to explain to a kid today why that was such a big deal. Oh, my gosh. It is. I, I, I talked to my kids about Goliath. it, and they're like, what? Why would that even matter? The Russians were, for all intents and purposes the gigantic behemoth of professional hockey where the americans were just a bunch of pickup college kids but it was more than that though because it wasn't just hockey it was the cold war yes but it was so outsized as far as experience and 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 it was afghanistan yeah and it was everything it, Reaganomics. It was everything. Yeah. It was the space raid. It was it was Star Wars. Right. It was everything. It, I mean, it, did, did you watch the game? Do you yes, remember the game? I do remember the game. Yeah, me too. I absolutely remember the game. Watched it on the Zenith console TV. My parents had. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You. I mean, that era is long gone, obviously. But even in professional sports or Olympic sports, the playing field has been evened out tremendously. I mean, look, right. you know, Sid's playing in Olympic hockey. That that never used to be the way. And the Olympics were bigger then than they are now. Yeah. That was way before there was ESPN or, you know, NBC Sports Network or whatever it is. Or and cable so, television. Right. For the most so part. if you were a sports lover, you watched your NFL or your MLB or your NBA and you watched the Wide World of Sports Saturday and that's all you had. Yeah, Wild Wild of Sports. That is all you had. That's so when the of- Olympics came around, that was mandatory viewing for every household. Yeah. I mean everyone watched the Olympics. What was it uh, coach what was his name? Herb Brooks. Thank Herb you. Herb Brooks, yeah. Brooksy. Who's passed away uh, years ago. But man, oh man. I mean, it shook this country for the better forever. He never saw the movie The Miracle. But he didn't, he didn't have to because he lived it. That's yeah, true. that's true. Very mm. nice. The Winter Classic happens tomorrow. Speaking of hockey, uh, Pens versus the Flyers in Philadelphia. Um, the jerseys, the sweaters are outrageously ter- just, I want one right now. They're really beautiful, cool. yeah. yeah. It, it, There's a great photo of Matt Pens. Cullen that you sent me. Mike, I absolutely love it. Oh, you like that? Yes. But, let me tell you. Can I just say one thing? Please let them play better than they did last night. Oh, the pens. Please. please. If that was the preview of the uh, Stanley Cup, we're in trouble. Oh my gosh! Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks for being with us. Always a great pleasure to have you along for the ride here. Uh, the podcast is up and running about an hour or so after we leave the air. Jubilee's going on this weekend. If you're so inclined as well, if you're a college kid, get down there. We'll see you Monday, God willing. Have a great night. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.